for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Hannah Anders. How's it going today, Hannah? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You know, it's it, it's the day after, or the morning after daylight savings time <laughs> or daylight savings time ending. I don't, whatever. All it's I too remember, early to know. Yeah. All I know is, is there's been a time change. And, and we're tired. And we're tired. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you a little bit more and get to know more about you and what you got going on and was listening to your uh, new album all day yesterday. So it's, I'm really excited. to. Hopefully kind of that go. was a good use of your time. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. Um, you. you got a new album out, Evolution, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, before we kind of jump into all that, uh, what's your uh, what's kind of your origin story? What got you into music? So I, I come from a really musical family. My grandmother was my first piano teacher. And so we all kind of, all my cousins and I always sung together. And, um, I, you know, it's one of those funny things. Cause I, when I was little, my parents actually said that I would sing. I sung before I spoke quite literally, like I would sing things to my mom before I would actually just say them in a sentence, but she said, when you've got a little toddler doing that, it's a little annoying after, yeah. <laughs> after a while. But I think they sort of recognized really young that I had a love of music. I liked to perform. I was the kid that was really happy to be in front of people. So they really nurtured that in me. And then of course, being in a musical family, um, that was such a part of our togetherness and our gathering was, was music. And so I think just a mixture of the environment I was born into and the support system I got on really, really early on in my life. Um, it's almost like it, it chose me in a way I didn't really ever know another path or another life or another dream. Yeah. And so I sort of single laser focused <laughs> pursued that, um, my, since I can remember. And you're, you're from Atlanta originally, right? I grew up in Georgia. I was actually born in Texas. I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, but we didn't live there very, very long and traveled around a little bit and then uh, ended up in Georgia when I was about four. And so I, I spent, I really considered um, right outside Atlanta, my hometown. Gotcha. Gotcha. Was uh, what chased you out of Houston? It wasn't a hurricane. That seems to be no. A lot of, no, that seems to be a lot of the reason that people leave Houston because fair like, enough. They get chased out by a storm or something. So, no, my dad is actually um, an astronaut trainer, and so after the Challenger exploded, he decided to to move on. So, have you heard that before as a reason to leave Houston? Nope. <laughs> oh, but fair enough. It makes perfect sense. Yep. He just, that was sort of the end of that. So, so, um, as you were growing up, kind of going through this process of kind of trying to find yourself creatively, who were some of your musical influences? Who were you listening to musically? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so growing up in Georgia, obviously there was a really large um, exposure to country music and that that really took root in me very, very young. But I didn't exclusively listen to country. My mom is actually um, Lebanese. So there's a lot of world music in our house. I, I started to really have a love for classic rock as I started to get a little bit older. My first concert ever actually was Paula Abdul. I'm going to date myself now, but... <laughs> I loved Paula Abdul. I thought she was so great. And so my dad surprised me with tickets to go see her. And I was little, I was so little. I had to get on his shoulders that yeah. I could actually like see the stage. And I, um, and I remember watching her dance with the holographic cat, yeah. uh, again, dating myself on stage uh, in Atlanta. Uh, DJ uh, Scat Cat, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're right there. Okay. <laughs> and I remember watching her and thinking and knowing for sure in that moment, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to, I want to be on stage, maybe not with DJ Scat Cat, but I definitely wanted to be on stage. And um, so she was actually my first like sort of strong female uh, influence, but I really listened to all kinds of music and, um, and really if you've listened through the album, I think you can tell there's really a blend of love of traditional country, love of Southern rock, love of classic rock. Mm. Um, and, and I really try to not pigeonhole myself when writing so that there's room for all of that stuff to show up. Absolutely. That's like, I mean, you, to, you really need to draw from all influences, like stuff that you grew up and that's how you're able to really find your voice as a musician. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you try and pigeonhole yourself into one genre, just cause you think that's where you need to be. Yeah. Music doesn't grow, you know? No. So. no. And I think what's great about, about country these days is that there are many subsets of the country genre now. And I do think that, there's sort of a country music artist for everybody. Whereas at one point that wasn't really the case. It was all sort of, it was what it was. And so I think that I love this genre for so many reasons, but the, the flexibility within the genre, I think has become really fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. But then of course, that being said, you've also got the genre purists that say, yes. oh, this isn't country or this isn't country, but this is country. And it's like, yes, you've got genre purists. That's such a great term for them. <laughs> well, cause I, you know, we, uh, we do a lot of work with the uh, bluegrass artists and we get hit up all the time saying, Oh, why are you claiming that they're bluegrass? They, they have a drummer or, you know, like all these traditional purist things. And it's like, really, we're going to stay, we're going to go. I just, you know, I, I always say there is an artist out there, whether they are an older artist or they're a new artist that is going to please your need for the purity of the genre. But I think that to impede evolution, ah, look, see how I dropped that in there, to impede <laughs> the evolution of, of a genre or to impede the, the growth of a genre of music is sad. I mean, I think that you can't I understand that people want their traditional country, but there are plenty of those artists out there that are very traditional in the music that they make. But I don't think that that should negate the artist that wants to pull, to your point, mm -hmm. all of their influences together to interpret country or bluegrass or pop or jazz or an R&B in a different way. And I think that, um, I think artists are often the victim of this is your lane, yeah. stay there. And um, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I completely get it. I have a better word. That sucks. <laughs> oh, 
since you name dropped the album, we'll, we'll go ahead and transition into okay. that. <laughs> so you got the new album out, Evolution. It dropped January 21st? Yes, it did. January 21st. I, I never really know if Spotify is telling me the truth anymore because I've been <laughs> let down by Spotify so many times. It's like... Many of us have. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Evolution, it's out now. Uh, what's kind of the story behind that album? This is an interesting one. So we Evolution is, is actually not my first full-length album. However, it's the only full-length album that's available uh, now for, for download and streaming. So I... I actually signed a record deal in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic, which was very strange. Um, And they sort of sat down and looked at my entire catalog of music. And I had released several singles, an EP, an album. um, And they said, you know, we really feel like what you've got here is this collection of songs. And we would love to sit down and pick the ones that we really feel deserve a label machine behind them Mm -hmm. and to give you a little bit more push and I had been writing as well so break us which is the first track on the evolution album was brand new that has had never been released before and um and so they started to sort of go through and oh we love this song we love this song we love this song and my producer and I went back in the studio and recut vocals remixed remastered and and that's where the album is called evolution because it felt like sort of the best of us to this point all grown up into a new version and um getting really another chance out in the world with with some support and some backing independent artists around the world can appreciate that and uh and that is how the album evolution was born so the other projects came down evolution went up yeah and uh so now i have all these sort of b-side tracks that uh that are living in my in my Dropbox folder that are not on the Evolution album yeah. that I might just go ahead and release as singles um, so so that they're back out because I think there's yeah. great music that didn't make the cut. Yeah, I gotcha. So, but as of right now, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to answer this question because you haven't really been playing shows, but would yeah. you still play those B-side tracks at shows or? Yeah, there's some great tracks that, you know, it's a great problem when you're sitting with your A&R rep and they're like, oh, there's just like, we have to whittle this down to 10 or 11 or, you know, you're like, okay, so you just sort of have to say goodbye to some of your favorite songs. And that's part of the process. But absolutely, I think there's songs that did not make the Evolution album that I would definitely make sure made the live set. Gotcha. I was sitting there as I was asking the question, I was like, well, how would she really have an answer to this? Because there hasn't been shows in the last been, I can, I can, I can put myself into that moment and see what I might do. <laughs> oh, so of the songs that you had released previously and then re-released under Ev- Evolution, you'd mentioned that you'd uh, went in and recut them, remastered, mixed them. Did, how, how did they all change? Did you change any like the lyrics or the instrumentation or was it just like better mixing, better mastering, better... Yeah, none of of the lyrics got changed on anything. But what was interesting is that a handful of these songs, we've been touring for years and years and years because they were on like the first release. So, you know, a song really doesn't find its way, I think, until you've played it live ad nauseum, you know, and you realize what a crowd responds to and how to arrange it. And so a lot of that did get revisited, especially by my, my MD, my lead guitar player, you know, we went in and he said to our producer, he's like, you know, there's so much stuff I do live now that isn't in the 
studio version that I would love to incorporate because I think that it really brought the song to life. And so, so they each evolved as well in that way. And so what you're going to get on this album, sorry about that. What you're going to get on this album is, um, is really the live version in a studio setting, which I think is one of the songs that, for example, tambourine got added to it because I play tambourine live Mm -hmm. on the song. So it's just little things like that, that, um, and yes, remixed, remastered, yeah. um, you know, fresh ears, fresh eyes, <laughs> all yep. the above. And of course, with you recutting the vocals, I'm sure the vocal, not arrangement so much, but the tone and emphasis and... Yeah, yeah. delivery changed a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Delivery, that's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that album's out now. Um have you given any thought to releasing it as vinyl or is it pretty much where, how is it available right now? I guess is the better. Yeah. So right now it's just available digitally, but we have, we made sure to have it mastered so that we could press it to vinyl. And so when we go out on the road, whenever that begins, it's looking like summer Mm -hmm. maybe. um, And then for sure, probably by the fall, Mm -hmm. um, we are going to absolutely press it to vinyl and maybe we'll just do like a limited, yeah. Maybe there's just 500 of them and we'll number them so that there's a, a cool little stamp at the bottom. But, um, but yes, we made sure to master so they could go to vinyl. I think that, I think that's really making such a huge comeback and people really want vinyl again, which is so, yep. so cool. So. Yep. I don't know if you can see it, but my uh, record player is. I do see it. Yep. <laughs> I, it was uh, one of those things where uh, I was bored one day. And I went on eBay and I bought a lot of 45s and my mom's like, Oh, that's cool. But how are you going to play it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And so then luckily my birthday was like three weeks later and she just handed me this Victrola that she had bought from uh, uh, Best Buy. And I was like, I knew I'd figure it out. See, it worked out. Yep. Um, But no, I about three years ago, I got back or I got in, not back into it because I was, maybe one when vinyl was a thing yeah yeah (laughs) on the tail end of being a thing so but um so kind of moving forward uh your so evolution is a amalgamation of previous songs recut remastered that some of them are like more of the live version Mm -hmm. one thing i do really enjoy about what you said there was how the songs change and how they like morphed in um, while being played live. And I always enjoy listening to bands that they'll like release a collections collection of songs and then release like a live performance version Mm -hmm. five, 10 years later. And then it's like, Oh, this song is way different than if you listen to the studio recording. And I think that has something to do with just being able to call things on the fly when you're playing, like, if your band like your bass player just doesn't have it that night it's like okay well somebody step in to cover for the bass player because yeah they're over there doing their thing and so no yeah there's a there's a an element in in i think it's a couple things i think Mm -hmm. bands truly have to keep themselves interested when they're playing they're the same music that people have come to love and they expect to feel they expect you to feel fresh when you perform it to them even though we have sung Turn It Up, for example, which is on the Evolution album for almost 10 years, you know? So, but that sort of become the anthem of the Han Anders band. And so I think it's a mix of wanting to keep it fresh for yourself so that you're fresh for your crowd. And I think that sometimes the best arrangement 
decisions happen to your point out of mistakes. Somebody forgot to come in. And so the solo held longer because the cue got missed or, yeah. or I need to go get some water or I missed it because I'm talking and I'm out in the crowd. And so the band just like finds, you know, and there's yeah. this sort of synergy that, that happens. And I, I will say to that point, I find myself very lucky. I've had the same band, my MD and I've been together 10 years in the band mm-hmm. now. So I really think that it was important to me not to have sort of a hired gun mentality in, yeah. in my band for me personally, because I think you miss those moments. I think you yeah. miss the chemistry and the, the body language reading that happens that, you know, my guitar player can just tell that I'm not going to come in when I'm supposed to, because I'm in the middle of talking to the audience and he'll start cueing the guys to do something else. And yeah. I think that that only happens when you are a team. And yeah. I, I really was really important to me to, always have that element in our live show. I think it changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. And actually you just answered my next question, how long the band's been together, but yeah. So yeah, uh, I knew it was coming and I anticipated the question. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate it. Um, (laughs) I know you're tired, uh, trying to make it easy. (laughs) Um, So when there isn't a global pandemic going on, how often are you usually out playing shows? Um, so, you know, we generally, let me think of a time when there wasn't a global pandemic going on. Um, yeah. So we're usually out on a run at least once a month, if not every couple of months. And in the summer, obviously it's heavier. Yeah. Part of our band's, um, touring schedule. We've been really fortunate to head over to, we go to the UK quite a bit in Ireland. And, um, and so, we were just ready to, we had just done a almost four week long media tour in the UK in November of 2019. And we were ready to go back and, and build out another tour. And then we all know how that went. So, uh, yeah. So generally we'll, we'll do a a run about once a month. And, um, the length of that is just dependent on where the show is, how many anchor points we need on the way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I completely get it. It's, you know, you, you brought up, you went out there and did a lot of the legwork and then everything just kind of fell. I know so many musicians from the UK that were going to do the opposite. They were um, coming over because South by Southwest was like that main anchor point for them. Mm-hmm. And then they lost all their money because they didn't have travel insurance or Ugh. whatever. And it's like, I mean, at a certain level, you can kind of take that and eat it and it's not going to, destroy you but when you're like barely making anything it's just kind of like dang that twelve hundred dollars fifteen hundred dollars whatever it is that you just ate they could have been saving for five years for that one you know it i don't think i'm really glad that you made that point because i don't really think that people there's no reason that people should understand that but i think it's important to bring attention to the amount of money that it costs a band to tour. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be really important to remember going forward when bands have, everybody has yeah. been hit incredibly hard financially in this last year, but live musicians, you know, we're not talking about the 1% of yeah. label artists, right? Yep. We're talking about the 90% of the middle class, everybody else that sits in the middle that has to account for every gallon of gas and every hotel room and every meal and every stage piece of costuming and gear and rehearsal space and what it takes for a band to show up um, 
and do a show and do it seamlessly and well and professionally. And, um, and, you know, we've gotten into a really bad habit of squabbling with bands and diminishing their value because, well, this band will do it for 200 bucks. And so I think that coming out of this pandemic, I just want to empower musicians to like, please don't undervalue yourself because it's been a hard year. We have an opportunity, I think, to reset the value system of musicians. I would be, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that got through this pandemic without art, without Mm -hmm. actors on Netflix and their favorite bands and their favorite music. And I really would love to see a revaluing of that as we go forward and, and remembering that your venues, bartenders, waitresses, sound engineers, the ripple of not touring and the the jobs that that has affected, you know? Um, I just hope that we can all treat each other a little bit better coming out of this and we can really see the value in what art and what artists bring to our quality of life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I've always been a, a big advocate for not selling yourself short, especially when it comes to shows, because I mean, yes, at the end of the day, you don't want to get outbid by a band that's willing to do it for less than you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the venue is going to find out why they're willing to like, let's say you're playing a bar gig and your rate is 500 bucks, right? Just making nice, even round numbers. So math yep. is easy. Yeah. And then another band comes in and says, I'll do it for three. Yeah. They'll do it for three, but they're not going to draw half as well as you will. So. Nope. Nope. And they're not going to, um, you know, the thing is, is the band that's going to do it for three becomes background music. The mm-hmm. band that's going to do it for five, seven fifty, a thousand mm-hmm. is going to hold your room. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing that you really, yeah, it, it's so true. We've got to really keep reminding people and, and fans when you're going out this year, as we start to get back into shows, pay, pay the $10 cover, pay the ticket. Yeah. Don't squabble with the artists. You know, we're, to your point, I mean, we all, we all lost our shirt last year pretty badly. And there's going to be artists that will never recover and never tour again. They had to yeah. make different decisions with their life as a yeah. result of this. And yeah. it's sad. Absolutely. Really you know, sad. One of the things that I really did appreciate and enjoy was when I was living out in New Mexico, there was a couple of artists that they would do basically to uh, cover their, or basically the door fee was, uh, buying their CD. So if it was like a $10 CD, all you had to do was buy their CD and you got in free. And, That's cool. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, now you, I'm sure they didn't make as much money as they would have wanted to, but you're more, people are more enticed to like, oh, $10 and plus I get to take home a CD. Yes. Cool. I'm, yes. I'm Offer value to people. Yeah. I, I think it's really important. And most musicians are terrible business people. And that's not an insult. That's just the truth. But to your point, people want to feel like they're getting more than what they're paying for. All of us like to feel like the value of what we're receiving is like we're getting a deal, like we're getting like we're getting away with something. You know, don't get righteous about your albums. People can rip that stuff for free off the Internet now. Sell them for five dollars and get people in the door, you know, and and I agree. I think there's a value. People are, oh, I have something in my hand Mm -hmm. I can hold. It isn't just a stamp on my wrist that lets me in the door. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great, I think it's a great tactic for bands to use. And you're more likely to get people like, cause I've seen it where some people are going to like, let's say you're playing at a bar and it's a $10 cover. 
I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, I was just coming to drink. I wasn't coming to listen to music. But if mm -hmm. you offer that CD, some of those people are like, oh, okay, well, if I get a CD out of it, you know, yeah, it's, it makes it a little bit more worth it just in case they can't stay for the entire show or whatever. I agree with you. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, it's all about that. Some I've met some really interestingly business-minded musicians. That's great. And those oh. are the ones that stand the test of time. Yeah. But like you had mentioned, a lot of musicians are not business-minded because they've got to worry about their music and all that stuff. So yeah, completely get it. Yeah. But um, so outside of music, what's kind of your thing? What do you, what do you do in your spare time? What are some of your hobbies? Um, so the other thing that I do, and I've never been more grateful uh, than in last year is I actually run a vocal coaching mm -hmm. business, which I've done for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so I, I coach artists all over the world, literally, which I've, so I've been doing online lessons for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, everybody moved to that platform when we hit the pandemic. So I really spent 2020, um, whereas normally I'm split between, I can only coach when I'm off the road to like really hundred percent of my time. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been really, really grateful for that. So I've spent a lot of my time that way. I love one of my best purchases of 2020 was a kayak nice. and getting my, uh, getting my big old, big old hunting dog in the front of the kayak and just going out in the water. I, I love to be out, I love to be outside and hike and swim. And um, there's so much, especially when you're touring, hotel, car, hotel, car, airplane, hotel, car. Yeah. Um, so when I'm home, I just wanna be out and get some fresh air. And I like a little alone time and to read and I'm kind of boring, I guess. Not a big like out in the club kind of hey, i mean <laughs> when you're when you're out doing shows so frequently that that club life just isn't like it isn't appealing because no no i don't want the noise i don't want the crowd i don't want the you know all of that i just i just want to just yeah. so and especially when you don't have like a party image to keep up it's like yeah, i don't have to go to the club if i don't want no, to no yeah no nothing about really our i think my image demands that I'm out seen, you know, doing yeah. Jaeger bombs and streaking down Broadway. Thank Ooh. God. <laughs> <laughs> Jaeger bombs. That just took me to a very <laughs> old place. Very nauseous very, place. Very nauseous place. <laughs> I never really liked Jaeger in the first place, but then when I was in college and I was already three sheets to the wind and somebody broke out the Jaeger, I wasn't going to turn it down. Yeah. that's i think that's the only time anybody drinks jaeger fair point, fair point. That point in the evening yeah fair point very fair point <laughs> but um so i'm assuming you got a kayak you go there's a lake in nashville right um, yep. we live right on there's several actually i live right on percy priest lake so i can okay. walk really literally right over there gotcha. uh with my kayak see, and my dog see a lot of my nashville friends live streaming from percy priest lake like there'll be yeah. uh one guy's a fisherman so he he takes his little fishing kayak and does all that stuff out there and that's cool people that are out there all the time so that that's probably one of the more popular ones i'm guessing or probably well it's it's really close to to nashville itself mm -hmm. so yeah. it doesn't surprise me and it's big so it sort of spans yeah a large area for people to access gotcha gotcha yeah. that makes sense 
Oh, so one of the things that we like to do on Live and Amplified is pass on information to younger musicians. So from your perspective, what is one piece of information that you wish you knew when you were getting started in the music business? Oh gosh, I could write a book on things I wish I knew when I started of, in the music business. A lot of people probably could. <laughs> um, I guess at this point, my if if you're if you're just getting started and you're just kind of you know getting your your sea legs, um, I, I think don't be afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. There's so much advice that I could give you, but I really you know when we're young and we're hungry, there isn't instinct to just respond to everything with enthusiasm, even the things that don't deserve mm-hmm. our enthusiasm and our energy. And I think often um, we override maybe a, a gut feeling or a knowing or a like, oh, I just don't, I don't really know that this person is really right to be on my team or as really this gig feels kind of like a waste of time. Or And we, we override because we don't want to be difficult to work with. We don't want to get outbid. We don't mm-hmm. want to lose an opportunity. And I wish that I had at an earlier time in my career learned, no, no, that doesn't serve me. No, that's not a good use of my energy. No, that's not a good person to have around. They're probably full of it. Um, and, and really just finding it, you've got to find your, your armor as soon as you can mm-hmm. and not be afraid to say no, it's harder for female artists because it's harder for women in general to be no people, but yeah say no when things don't don't serve you and run towards the things that do even if they're hard um most of what's going to serve you early in this business is going to be uncomfortable and to require a lot of growth um you're going to play terrible shows to one homeless guy in the back of the bar santa monica o'brien's i will never forget that gig <laughs> wait a minute please explain we had it we had a gig in santa monica and okay. we're a young 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 band I mean, nobody knew or cared that we were there and it was a completely empty room and one homeless guy walked in because he heard us playing and sat in the back and cheered his little face off. He loved us. <laughs> but sometimes you play to the one homeless guy, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, learning to say no. And I think that the second thing I know, I know you only wanted one piece of advice, but my, no, my, good. my second piece of advice would really be to remember that this is a marathon and not a sprint mm-hmm. and that the time you think it's going to take, just go ahead and double or triple that. And it's really about how long you can stay in the race. Yeah. And because eventually you're going to outpace people, people are going to fall off because it's hard and it's, it's grating and it's difficult and it's, it's just all the things. And so if this is what you really want to do, you've just got to keep moving. Don't pay Don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing. Stay in your lane, get good people around you. Don't get too high on your own supply. Take, take the feedback and just keep moving and, and don't allow that stuff to take up too much real estate in your brain because otherwise it'll get the best of you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's, even though it was two pieces of advice, which wasn't really a, it, which really wasn't a, uh, a big deal, Um, (laughs) but you know, it's a, it was perfect. Um, one thing that I have, I am interested in because I, since I am not musically creative at all, do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Yes. Did you ever end up recording it? Yes. What is the name of this song? You'll never find it. 
by the grace of God. <laughs> I was, I was. That like, kind of sounds like a challenge to me. <laughs> but. Okay. The first song I ever wrote, I was 14 years old. It's called In Your Arms. And I recorded it in this um, tiny studio with a good friend in North Georgia. And, uh, and that's the first song I ever, I'll never forget it. I was so proud of myself. I was like, that's it. I've written a song. I'm on my way. Um, and now I think if that ever saw the light of day, I would just never leave my house again because <laughs> this is so horribly embarrassing, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start I somewhere. guarantee you one of your friends has it hidden away somewhere. I am. I'm almost sure you're right. If not my friend who recorded it, I was, we are still friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it's you come across it, you go ahead and you bump in your arms and let me know what you think. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> I'd never do that to a musician. Like when somebody tells me, no, it's never going to see the light of day. I respect it. You know, it's, you. <laughs> but it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. That kind of sounds like a challenge. I want to see I, if I can. But hey, go forth and prosper. May the force be with you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like all I did was spend time finding something I'm not going to do anything with. And yeah. But you'll have found it. And that was the mission. It was the journey. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, so what's kind of the uh, plan moving forward as things start to open up? Do you have any uh, shows on the books or? We do. Uh our first set of shows looks like it's going to be in June, early okay. June. Um, it's looking like that's aligning pretty well with the vaccine rollout, which is mm -hmm. really what everybody, I think, especially, you know, you can up to this point, there have been some smaller bars and things that have been having live, live music, but there was no getting back, I think, to normal without the vaccine rollout because the insurance the venues have to hold and the liability that they have, I think is just, it's just too scary for them. Yeah. So, um, it looks like June is going to be when we really start to go. We've got a, a run there. We've got a run in July up to, I think, what's right here on my schedule? Where are we going? Maryland, which will be my first time up that way. Nice. Um, and then in August, we've got a really big run out to New Mexico and back. And that was actually- Where, where are you playing in New Mexico? We are playing at the uh, Red Dirt Gold Festival. Red in dirt. new mexico and i can't remember the city exactly red, that it's in red dirt gold fest i lived in roswell new mexico for four years so give me two minutes okay, okay. so the red red dirt <sighs> it almost sounds like it'd be in east southeast new mexico because or at least somewhere um up along the texas border because red dirt black gold in artesia new mexico let me know about that because Artesia is about 30 minutes away from Roswell and okay. we Artesia all the time. I love it. So. Yes, definitely. That's right now scheduled for August 28th. Okay. So I will put that in my books. I will let my, uh, my co-host know and we will make it happen. Oh, I love it. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'm super, we were supposed to play that last August and obviously it got, it got canceled. So they just, have moved their 2020 lineup, which is, I think, going to be kind of the name of the game this year for a lot of festivals. So uh, we're really excited to go out there. So you, you and I will stay in touch about that. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, you brought up all the different festivals and stuff. It's so like there's a lot of festivals that we used to attend as media that are like like happening. Usually they happen like right around now. 
and I'm getting email notifications saying, oh, we're pushing it to October. Mm-hmm. And they're all in Florida. And it, like October in Florida is not a fun time to be in Florida, especially South Florida, where it's just like, oh, it's very hot. I'm good. It's very, you know, we play in, we play Florida all the time. Yeah. And I love getting to do that. My grandmother lives in Florida. So it's good a chance to see her. My dad lives there. But um, I'm going to tell you, there are, a handful of shows in my life I can remember where I was sure that I was just going to spontaneously combust. Like yeah. it was just a matter of time yeah. and all of them occurred in Florida, except for one yeah. where I'm just wringing my hair yep. from the humidity I, and the heat. And I did a show down in, or not a show, not like I played a show. I did a media for a music festival down in Tampa. Um, it was, it was still early in the year. I think it was like March, first weekend of March, which in Florida isn't like normally hot. But for whatever reason this year, it was just wildly humid, wildly hot. I get, I'm out in the sun all day because it's out in this middle, this like city park in Tampa, or is it St. Pete's? Tampa, St. Pete's, some, somewhere right, right around there. There's no shade, no nothing anywhere. And I'm just like dying. I'm buying, like they, you know, they really get you with the water. Like they charge you $3 for the- uh, the, Oh, they know. Yeah, the milk carton (laughs) of water. And so luckily I had just gotten paid and I'm like, okay, I could afford to buy water. But I ended up spending about almost $40 in water. Believe it. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like- mad at myself because I paid $40 for water when I could have went and bought like five cases for that. And I know. Completely happy. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, oh, they but, know. But, they know you're going to be on death's door and they are jacking that water price up. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I, so I get to my hotel room and at that point, it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night and you'd think it'd start cooling off. It didn't. It just yeah. got hotter. Yeah. And so I'm like walking to my car and all, you know how like your shoes get wet and you can just like hear the squishing. My shoes are doing that number. And I'm like, did I step in a puddle somewhere? Like, did I miss this? And then I get home and it's just like sweat, like salt deposits are coming yes. down my body. Yes. You like, need like an electrolyte IV bag after that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was, and I was talking to my mom on uh, uh, FaceTime and she just saw like some of the salt deposits on my shoulder. And she's like, did you run a marathon? And I'm like, no. Nope. Walk around Florida. Yep. <laughs> and it's so funny because they live over on the uh, East coast of Florida. And it's like, you know, this all too well. Yeah. Where do they live in Florida? Uh, they live in Jensen beach. Okay. Um, I lived in Tallahassee for about two years, but I will say it over and over again. Tallahassee is like the armpit of Florida, quite literally, because it gets all the negative uh, things about living in Florida, but none of the benefits. Oh, no, it's terrible. (laughs) So like, especially during the summer when it's like really muggy and hot, they've got so many trees there that it just kind of keeps it locked in there. And it, yes, it's just a nice like, canopy of of trees. Yeah, the trees moisture and moisture. Thank you. That's what I was looking yeah. for. The moisture yeah. doesn't really get a chance to escape until like a hurricane comes through and it just like sucks the moisture out. And it's like, man, this just isn't fun. It sucks. I'm oh, good. It sucks. Your skin looks really good though after a summer in Florida. You're all purged of well, all the stuff. Actually, that is 
thanks to COVID and this podcast. So okay, <laughs> because I used to drink, I used to be a very caffeinated person, um, which I still am to a point. But um, because I started doing this podcast on a regular basis, I was destroying my throat because I wasn't drinking enough. I wasn't staying hydrated. Yeah. And so now I drink so much water, it's ridiculous that it scared, uh, cleared my skin right out. So there you go. A PSA for hydration and water. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, so that that's kind of what it is. And then, of course, like face wipes and all that stuff really helps as well. But mm-hmm. yeah. I, but like you said, after after a summer in Florida, my face was just, yeah, insane. <laughs> But um, I want to thank you so much for jumping on here. It's been a blast chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, If people want to check out Evolution or they want to check out anything else you got going on, uh, where's the best place for them to do that? So the website's a really good one-stop shop. It's hannahanders.com. We're on Facebook under Hannah Anders Music. That's also the handle for Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, When in doubt, you just Google Hannah Anders. I pop right up. I do respond. I handle all my own social media. So if you reach out, it's me that responds and uh, love to chat and connect with people. And Evolution itself is available everywhere you download and stream music. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast sitting here chatting with you. And I look forward to seeing you in August, I guess. Yes, that'll be so awesome. We'll stay in touch about that. Absolutely. You know, it was funny because you brought it up and you said New Mexico. And I'm like, well, chances are it's either Santa Fe, Taos or Albuquerque. Because when anybody ever says New Mexico, that's usually where they're headed. Yeah. It's very rare that people come that far south unless they're traveling to San Antonio or... El Paso. We will be there, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in Artesia, New Mexico. Yes, Artesia. (laughs) Artesia is cool. It's a cool little New Mexico town. It's it's right in the middle of the, uh, not the oil field. Yeah, yeah. no, the oil fields. It's kind of out in the middle of the oil fields. It's it's an interesting place. Okay. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later.